The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV. The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Good evening, and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm Ed Lucy, your host for the evening, and my guest is Debbie Burke, Executive Director of the Malden Redevelopment Authority. And although that may not be a household word, <laughs> uh, they have played a major role in Malden's development and changes over the years. And uh, it's interesting, Malden has had so many new residents in recent years, it's... For the most part, I'm sure they're not aware of what, who or what the MRA is. And, and uh, they just did a survey recently, and uh, they claim that half the people in the country don't know about the Russians interfering with our, our election. <laughs> so if, if the people aren't paying attention to that, they obviously the MRA would maybe be something even more mysterious for the local residents. But in many ways, the MRA has had a very positive and profound effect on the on the progress Marlins made and the changes that have occurred over the years. And... Uh, Maybe to start off, Debbie, kind of give a little background, if you would, as far as what the MRA has done and where we started from, where it is now. Sure. I mean, thanks for inviting me to be on your show. It's a pleasure. Um, I've been the director of the agency since um, 2014, and um, it um, it does play uh, a myriad of roles in the community, and um, we've involved in um, doing a lot of projects for and on behalf of the city of Malden. We administer many of the programs for the city. Um, um, including we run a community development block grant program, which is a federal program that funds such things as improvements in parks. Uh, we're uh, funding some roadway improvements across the city right now. Um, we've also done some lighting and um, uh, handicap accessibility improvements in, in the city. We also fund a um, federal lead paint abatement program, which it would be good that um, homeowners should be made aware of those and that they can get, in some instances, grants depending upon the size of the home um, and in some interest uh, instances, low interest um, loans to abate lead from their property. And the homeowners that avail themselves of the program um, will also have the opportunity um, if they do have um, lead water lines that need to be removed or replaced, that um, they can avail themselves of funds um, called Healthy Homes Funds, but you have to be in the lead paint abatement program in order to get those Healthy Home Funds. So um, those are programs that 
in terms of home rehab and lead abatement that the agency has has been involved in for years. Um, They started doing urban renewal in the 1960s, not necessarily a nice word today when properties were acquired by eminent domain or whatnot. But there's been a commitment, though, since those days to trying to um, put funds into uh, the upkeep of housing across the city just um, because once... um, neighborhoods start having blight, you know, it tends to, to spread. So the idea is to try to keep neighborhoods um, vibrant and, and intact with those funds. Uh, you, you mentioned the lead paint program. Um, I, I would assume that maybe that was much more active years ago with the older housing stock. Mm-hmm. But you still have uh, people in this current times needing... Yeah, it's amazing. It's um, lead paint was used in housing uh, that predated 1978, and um, we've been in the program. I think you have to apply for new rounds annually or every couple of years, and we've got awards since 1991. I was looking up some stats the other day, and um, but there is still a lot of housing stock that. Um, you know, is um, that contains, you know, lead. Uh, We've done small projects, which is, you know, those are the ones I love because, you know, they get into the single two, three family homes in the neighborhoods that make up the neighborhoods. And I think those are the people that for some reason, despite marketing efforts and promotional efforts that we don't seem to get the word out well enough to, I don't think in terms of the availability of grants to, they have to be income eligible, but um, you know, we have that data at our office that we can help walk people through the process. But we've also done you know, larger scale apartment buildings, older apartment buildings that, you know, um, uh, you know, investor owned, but they have um, families in there that have children and um, lead is really, you know, very poisonous and hazardous, particularly to children under six. Uh, if, if someone has uh, or became, it may more likely happen uh, when a house is inspected for sale. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the items that they may do? They look for that at all in terms of the uh, inspection. There is. Um, I know that is part of the disclosure documents that you have to make available to a prospective home buyer. I know that there is a lead certification within that document, but whether or not um, a home inspector that you would have go in there would check off a box about lead, I'm not sure. But I know that you have to disclose whether or not it's in there to a, uh, a new um, buyer. One of the things we are doing, though, is just kind of to tag on to that question, is we are working right now with, um, we set aside a portion of this grant, and we're working with the uh, city's building commissioner, Nelson Miller, and his team from Permits, Inspections, and Planning to develop a um, or tag on to his software database so that somebody could go online, look up a property on 10 John Street, let's say, and it would bring up all the data about that house, whether or not it has been deleted and when, you know, if it's been abated, um, whether or not it has a lead water line in it. So we would add those things to a jacket of information that he already has about the house, but it would help inform somebody that was interested in buying a particular property. Hmm. Well, uh, hypothetically, if someone uh, uh, determined that the house that they currently had had lead paint, Mm -hmm. what would be the process for for them to to move forward to have it removed through the MRA program? 
They would, um, you know, they could come by our office. We have, you know, a team of uh, rehab and lead paint um, abatement specialists that's, that works for us. We actually run that program out of our site office, we call it, which is at 176 Pearl Street uh, behind uh, McDonald's Stadium. And um, what they would do would be they'd get briefing on the program, they'd fill out an application, and um, we then, once they we determine that they qualify for the program, we do send out um, a consultant that we have, which does lead inspections, risk assessments, they call them. They go through the entire property. They look for f things like flaking and peeling paint on doorways, door jams. They look at flaking paint, um, you know, caused by, uh, you know, opening and closing windows and window sills and jams. They check um, for whether or not there's lead dust um, in the soil around the property and, um, you know, just um, go through the entire house and, and test for that. They then generate a report and then we sit down with the home owner and um, work through what we've determined are the needs for the job. We um, our group of uh, home um, rehab specialists price out the job, and then we um, use their pricing to inform. We then um, write up bid packages, and we have, um, I think we have probably about 12 to 15 contractors now that have been certified uh, this past year that we then open it up to all those 12 to 14 contractors that they want to bid, and then we take pricing and usually pick the lowest qualified bidder in accordance with the homeowner. The um, the program itself. Now you mentioned is it subsidizes some for some for some uh, homeowners. Yeah, how we um, structured this grant this time around was that, and the idea behind it was to expand a pool of funds. So we did receive in this latest um, grant, and it runs for three years till 2020, we received $2.5 million um, to fund lead paint abatement, you know, programming. And, and some of that does cover, you know, some of the staffing that, you know, goes along with that program. Um, the thought process was that, you know, um, I believe it's it's either four or five units or under, those folks would qualify for a grant to do the abatement work in their property. Uh, usually it, it costs, we're finding on average, somewhere around the $9,9500 range to de-lead one apartment. One apartment uh, right. or one house? One apartment. So it could be a single-family house, oh, but one unit of housing. Um, and then we felt that um, properties that were five or more units, or, or it's either four it's either four or five or more units, that um, we have a sliding scale whereby um, a portion of it becomes a grant, but the rest they have to amortize and pay off over a, a period of years. And the idea is that that gets back that return into a pool that we can expand the pool to relend out to other prospective um, owners. But not everybody is eligible for grant money, are they? No, I mean, there it is tied to your income eligibility, and um, these um, limits, they're not set by us, but it's a federal program through um, an entity called the Department of Housing and Urban Development, or a.k.a. HUD, and they, uh, provide, they uh, produce income limits based on family size, Every year, and those um, those are published on the Redevelopment Authority's website, which is MaldenRedevelopment.com, and they're also in the application packet. Hmm. So, so, um, now, is is the program itself as active as it was years ago? I would assume it would not be. Uh, We're finding that um, again, and maybe this program, you know, along with other marketing efforts, I'm trying to 
you know, come up with um, will create better awareness for it. Um, you know, there is a pool. There are several people that have applied over the years that unfortunately they don't income qualify. And, you know, that that's a tough call because sometimes they're very close and we just can't, you know, lend to them. Um, but when, I, excuse me, when you say they don't qualify income wise, meaning they don't have enough income to justify the payment? No, I'm sorry. They have to meet the income limit. So if they make more than what HUD oh, says, okay. I'm sorry, what HUD says they can make, yeah. we can't help them. Yeah. I mean, we try to refer them to some other state programs and whatnot that we try to refer them for, you know, assistance. But we're not then able to to help them. Um, but, um, you know, again, like I said, for some reason, I think, you know, the larger property owners and maybe they're just more conversant in the, the lingo and, the, you know, the, the working around grant programs and they read, you know, the uh, the documentation of the newsletters that come out when towns get awards. So they know how to, you know, probably shop around for the, those monies better than the average, you know, homeowner. And that's why it is, it's kind of a, a secret. And we most recently worked with the Malden Teen Center and we had them drop uh, door hangers, you know, that kind of gave a, a brief overview of the program on in several of the neighborhoods. We've had them translated. Um, I'm going to try to go on. I know there's a couple of other, you know, radio talk shows and, and other shows that uh, to reach, you know, the, the diverse population citywide just to try to get the word out. We've uh, reached out to the counselors um, who've been helpful in, you know, trying to spread the word in terms of their constituents. But, um, you know, I've just noticed as the last few years, it seems that, you know, the interest has been, and it's not, I don't think, because there aren't people that out there do qualify, but we, for some reason, have got more of the larger property owners than the one, twos, and threes in there. Well, like you said, being large property owners, they they know better where to, where right. to look for money, uh, how to perhaps uh, right. submit information that would be favorably disposed to the situation. Right. Um, but, uh, again, one other question as far as that goes, the... The program itself, you could get, you could be eligible for uh, the lead paint loan program mm -hmm. to have the work done. Right. But you, it's possible you wouldn't be eligible for grant money. You'd have to pay it back in full. Uh, yeah. Well, if your income was in such a. St amount that you didn't qualify for grants. No, we can't. We, we haven't. We don't have a program that. Um, helps unfortunately and it's a real tough you know one to you know because at the end of the day what you're doing is making housing in the city lead safe so that makes it safe for everybody but you know it, it's HUD sets strict income guidelines that we can't deviate so if you make you know even ten dollars over what those income deadlines uh, thresholds are we you know we can't help you um, but the people but then the ones that do qualify and meet the income deadline uh, qualification excuse me uh, and eligibility then we are able to give those you know it's either five or four units and under homeowners a, a grant for all of the work for all of the work right oh so they don't have to pay it back no oh I see now um, with the demographics of the city has changed so much in, in, in the years since you started with the right. MRA, do you find that the minorities that are living here are aware of some of the programs like that? Um, you know, we uh, there was one instance um, last year, I believe it was, that um, there was, um, I'm not sure what the um, ethnic background was of the um, applicant, but unfortunately we got 
that person referred to us, which we were glad we ended up helping him um, because um, he had an infant who had been poisoned by lead. And it was done, you know, it, it, it was done. And what had happened was he was doing his own refinishing work of a banister on a staircase inside a home he had purchased uh, with his, his wife. And he, you know, was babysitting during the day. So, you know, he had the baby in a, a child seat at the base of the stairs and didn't know that, you know, the lead dust wasn't, you know, help, helping the child. So when the child got tested, you know, it had very high elevated blood levels. Of course, he felt you know, awful and whatnot. And any um, poisoning is reported to the Board of Health and then the Board of Health in the, in the state. So we got noticed on that, whether or not could we help this uh, person with the abatement process in his home. So we did. We ended up giving them, you know, a grant to, to get the work done there. Um, but to your point, Ed, one of the things that we did with this grant application is we're enlisting uh, nonprofits in the community. Um, they've got a small amount that has been set aside in the grant for them. So we're working with, and I'm going to have a meeting sometime this month. Um, one of our partners is the Immigrant Learning Center, um, and the other partner is the um, ABCD, which is the local anti poverty agency in Malden. And the idea will be to help them help us spread the word to the diverse population in Malden. I know that the mayor and um, several of his team and city departments have come in at times. I know the fire department and the police department and the mayor had gone in and spoke to people in the uh, classes at the Immigrant Learning Center, which is a total English immer immersion program whereby people go in and, and learn um, English um, in a classroom setting. And I know that they went in and talked about things like smoke detectors, fire alarms. So we're hoping to work with the team over there to go in and talk about, you know, hazards in your home that can be detrimental to the people living there. Yeah. You know, so we're hoping we're going to kick those meetings off soon. You know, another source, as, as you mentioned that, and, and when you mentioned Lit uh, the Immigration Learning Center, they have, they have done a fantastic job since they came to Malden. Absolutely. And, um, they have uh, a long waiting list, too. If you yeah, I, um, um, I remember when they first um, it came to me when they was just getting uh, established, and uh, one of the two uh, people had just, she had been a public school teacher. And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, gee, giving up a secure position, challenging right. job as a school teacher, giving in what I thought at that time maybe be just a, a thing that would take off. You'd, right. you'd, but anyway, it certainly had done an impressive job in, right. in Malden and, right. and spread out far beyond just the city limits. Right, but, and they're good, you know, I, I think they're great community partners. I mean, they've helped with you know, doing translations when they can of flyers or whatnot and, you know, and inviting, you know, a team like the mayor and others in to, you know, talk about things that are important in the community to all of its residents, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. One other group that might be a, a source of, uh, of information, uh, some of the churches, because oh, right. a number of right. instances, the churches congregation right. uh, bilingual and more more oftentimes, some in the, maybe in the, when they first get formed, they're uh, it more likely be Spanish speaking or True. Creole, mm -hmm. and um, 
they they would not be maybe exposed to a lot of services unless an emergency comes up, right. and that may be where some some time was spent. Maybe if you didn't not if they didn't deal directly with them, and maybe through the the, the ministry that is run right. church, they could kind be of be helpful too. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. you know the other thing, I, and you know I'm, I'm taking steps in this direction. Um, you know, um, but you know the other thing I think we, you know, like anything else, we need to get a little bit more savvy in terms of. Um, you know, on the outreach, you know, probably, you know, it's everything from flyers to knocking on doors to pairing in front of groups, to your point, going to churches. Um, but it's also, you know, in this day, it, it's social media. It's those those, those ways that even younger people connect with sure. what's going on. And, you know, so uh, I'm, I'm making Nobody baby steps. Nobody talks to anybody anymore. <laughs> I'm making baby steps in that direction, yeah. you know, so, um, but trying well, to do that. You saw my cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the, the one other program I, I probably would like to plug is in addition to the lead paint abatement program, um, we also run through community development funds, um, which is funds that are given to the city of Malden. They're not the redevelopment authorities. We administer those programs for them in a budget that's approved by the, the mayor and the city council. And, um, you know, but in that program, there is a line item for rehab. And, you know, we, again, people have to meet the income qualifications. You have to be eligible um, and it hit certain income limits. But with those funds, we're able to do not just lead paint abatement, but do um, correction of various code violations, you know, um, new furnaces. It's uh, it's not to put a new swimming pool in your backyard, but it's to, um, you know, uh, change out windows, put in new furnace, change heating systems, uh, uh, water systems, plumbing systems, um, you know, and, and those types of interior, you know, that have been cited by, you know, um, an actual code inspection. Uh, um of course, uh, is that also the rehab? Are they grants too? No, the rehab program is a is a uh, zero. Right now, it's a zero percent interest loan. Over, the terms have go, can go from ten to fifteen years. So there's no interest. You borrow, say fifteen thousand, and you uh, make monthly payments to the redevelopment authority. Would your would your credit score have an impact on your eligibility? We, um, in terms of an agency, we do run a credit check. Um, I will tell you that, um, you know, oftentimes, and it, it's our mission, um, we're the bank of last resort for some people. Um, and, um, you know, it has a factor, but it's not the overarching decision on whether or not uh, this person would get a loan. So it gets every consideration, particularly given, you know, the health and safety of the housing stock here. I um, not, not to bring up old history, but I, I can recall when I was in office as mayor, which would be the early '90s, uh, going to um, municipal meetings that have annually. And uh, and Walter Kelleher at that point had been out of office um, 15 years, mm -hmm. and uh, I would meet people at that at those meetings. And when they found out I was from Malden, they'd, they'd ask me about Walter. And um, I think in his administration back. Before the early years, his admin, he was the right. one that was a driving force in, in, in the setting up the MRA as it, as it was, was at that time. He was, yeah. But, but the, the, uh, when it started off, was that was when they had um, Savage Square re Urban Renewal, right. those very right. controversial right. projects. But there was right. also um, a, a lot of things that he started that probably in some place are still, in, are still part right. of the overall uh, program. Well, it's interesting you say that. The agency... Um, 
was founded in 1958 or was created in 1958. It was an act of the state legislature that created it. Uh, similar legislation created the Malden Housing Authority, two different entities. Um, he actually was approached by the League of Women Voters at the time that um, you know did a comprehensive uh, study of Malden in terms of where, at that time, it needed to go in terms of development, um, upgrading neighborhoods and whatnot. And actually, uh, one of the members of the uh, League of Women Voters was one of the original, um, she's now deceased, but was one of the original members of the Redevelopment Authority Board, and that was uh, a woman by the name of Beatrice Richmond. Yes. And uh, she was on there for many years. And um, But what, uh, I didn't work under Walter's administration. Um, no, but I've, I've, I've gone through a few mayors, um, <laughs> but uh, worked with, along, with a lot of great mayors. Um, but um, Walter, um, you know, was really, um, you know, one that uh, knew how to grab all the federal grants and dollars, was always lobbying, you know, for Malden. And at the time, those grant monies, there was a larger pool than, you know, there were a lot of earmarks and things that, you know, don't really exist today. But um, so the rehab program today is kind of a an offshoot of what he called a concentrated code enforcement program where they went through every neighborhood, did analyses of homes and and um, and determined where there was what they called blight, slum, decay, and then they targeted certain neighborhoods for so-called, again, not necessarily a great word in, in today's time, but urban renewal. So they created project areas and then got funding from, in some instances, the state, because there were some state urban renewal projects, and in other instances, the feds. And they got funding to acquire, take is a better word, take you know people's properties. And um, in several of these, um, unfortunately, and I, I know it probably still leaves a bad taste in, in, in some people's you know mouths that were here during those times. I, I was not, but in the 60s and 50s, um, and cleared whole neighborhoods um, and brought in new development, you know, new employers, et cetera. You know, that one of the, the areas you referred to as the Suffolk Square Renewal Project was one that took out a... Um, you know, a lot of Ward 7, and they were from pictures that I've, you know, saw. There were, you know, several theaters in that area. There were small little, you know, shops and whatnot. Well, yeah, they, had a, they had stores in Suffolk Square, right. and, and uh, they had some court cases, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm sure we were on the other side of, uh, you know, the law in, in yeah. several of those instances, yeah. but. Uh, I, can, I can recall uh, visiting someone one time on Bryan Street, and, they had no central heating in the house. So, I mean, when you have some situations right. like that, you right. say, well, maybe progress has to be right. implemented, right. And even though it discomforts people right. or makes them. Right. Uh, there were sections of Child Street, again, from what, you know, I was told by a couple of predecessors that um, they called them so-called, you know, cold water flats, that they did not have, you know, hot water and right. whatnot. Yeah. And uh, so there were, and, you know, the thought at the time was if you can't get a handle on your neighborhoods and stem that blight and decay, it just spreads, you know, like measles across a community, and um, that's not necessarily a good thing, and that, that was the philosophy. But I like to think now that, you know, as we're doing rehab and lead paint abatement programs, it's it's more in working in partnership with the city and working with the homeowner on trying to come up with, you know, lead-safe housing or, or housing that has been improved for the benefit of not only the homeowner and the house, but the whole street that on which it sits. 
Now, the uh, the lead pipe system in the mm-hmm. system, in the city, there really isn't that many left, is there? Uh, um, that, you know, you'd, I, you'd probably have to get a better handle from, you know, the city side of things with yeah. the city engineer's office. and um, But, you know, Malden did have a large amount of lead pipes, and a lot of the road work that's going on now is, you know, includes the lead pipe removal and whatnot. I know they've made significant inroads on the public side, and now uh, we're working to get the, and they're working to get the pub, the private side done. Yeah. Um, uh, at the time, and I, I'm, I'm dealing with it now because I'm involved in a house situation, and uh, the dating, the age of the house would suggest there's no lead paint, excuse me, lead, lead pipes. Okay. But on the other hand, I was the advice I was given was that you're better off to have an inspection done, mm-hmm. even in those instances where you don't think necessarily there's going to be a problem, because the buyer, eventually, uh, if there is a problem, if you're a buyer, right. you, it's your responsibility at that point. If right. if at the time of sale, you didn't ensure, ensure yourself that was the situation mm-hmm. by having the current seller inspect confirm that there's no lead pipe. Yeah, I don't think ignorance, you know, know, cuts you a a pass here. But I do know that the city has, um, um, you know, created an ordinance that now requires, um, and again, better information could come from the mayor's office. If you do a rehab of 30,000 or more, you have to confirm that there's no lead pipe. And this is where I would be aware of If a sale of a house takes place. Right. And they that's have where they the can't compli- be right. complication comes in if the buyer doesn't pursue it because the the seller never bothered or brought right. it up to get overlooked. Now it's down the road. Then it becomes your problem right. rather than the seller's problem. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. So, but the the end goal, I think, is to, you know, ensure safe housing. You know, and ensure, you know, um, that you're not having and the quality of yeah, life, which right. obviously is a right. factor in right. our in our being. Right. Now, does the MRA get involved with any of the street work that's being done in the city? Yeah, right. Um, uh, right now, um, we're administering a couple of street construction. Pro- we're not doing it actually. We're providing through the community development block grant program. Again, that federal program. Um, we are providing funding uh, from that program, which is the city of Malden's that we administer, um, to do uh, some road work. Again, the road work that we through that uh, source of funds could pay for has to be an income eligible neighborhood. So they're tied to um, the feds, and we just got the new census tract information. But they're tied to census tracts, and the census tracts has to be below, you know, fifty uh, percent or fifty one percent low to moderate income. And if the road is within that location, uh, we can fund um, that type of work. So we did. Um, it was a $600,000 contract um, uh, in, on one hand, and then we're working now with the city um, on another package. I think it was five or six roads that will approximate $2.5 million. So, again, they're, they're on uh, – we're coming in on doing – in funding the, the concrete sidewalks and the um, – you know the ADA compliant tactile, you know, strips at at each crosswalk in the in the roadway resurfacing, but it, it's where actually the conduit of funds for that program that's administered through the um, city engineer's office. He lets out the contract for the road work. He oversees the, um, you know, that that contractor that wins the bid is performing in a satisfactory fashion, and then he um, invoices us for progress payments to that contractor. But that actually would be like that money that's that's uh, 
required to do that project. That's outside the city budget, so that's money Correct. the city doesn't right. have to bond for or right. they don't have to right. currently right. allocate in order to get the work done. Yeah, I think, you know, when the city and, you know, uh, rightfully so looked at um, identifying, uh, you know, when they knew they had a lot of road work that needed to be Double done. check Holyoke Street. Okay, I'll, I'll ride down there. Um, when they they knew there was a, a lot of road work that needed to be done um, in the city, you know they looked at a variety of resources, and I know that they're you know they're using like I said um, community development block grant funds, city funds, um, something called Chapter ninety funds, which are provided on an annualized basis from the state of Massachusetts um, under certain criteria. So, um, but it all kind of helped advance, you know, a comprehensive improvement program. Are there some programs that you've done since you've been there that, that, that run major projects, major yeah. programs, just kind of they run out of a, a people that needed, needed or qualified or they, uh, the federal, because the government has cut back on a lot in re, in over the years and some yeah. of the, some of the things that they allowed uh, to be uh, yeah. included. Right. Well, I think, you know, um, where because of the restrictions, um, you know, there are probably, for instance, parks, let's say. There are probably parks outside the area that we could service with those funds. Now, it's not to say that there aren't other plans that the city's looking at, and I, and I know they, they do that on a regular basis. Um, you know, we're constantly having brainstorming meetings to determine, well, geez, if you're part of funds can't help a park get improved, you know, where else can we look? And there are state grant programs, there are other federal grant programs, there are new things now like the Community Preservation Act um, program that um, is uh, funded through uh, a small increase on people's uh, property tax bills, and then those funds are admit, uh, put into, um, you know, a line item or a separate part of funds, and uh, those are overseen um, for and will be provided for projects that improve parks, and they, it, it's not restricted to a neighborhood or an area uh, to projects that would encourage uh, preservation of, of uh, historic properties uh, and also projects that would um, result in the creation of other, the other sus sustainability of affordable housing in the community. So, um, so again, you know, while the federal funds that are administered from our agency, you know, are restricted, you know, we tap into them as much as we can to get, you know, um, different projects done. You know, we most projects we're just closing out now that we just did in this latest grant round was um, we um, did phase two of um, Pearl Street Playground, uh, which is down on Pearl Street. Uh, that has a small tot lot. It has a, um, uh, a youth um, um, basketball court that was, you know, put in a couple of years ago. Um, and then this year we um, worked to correct uh, the, the uh, pavement into the park um, and uh, drainage, because drainage was an issue there, and assorted landscaping. So that was a small, you know, effort and a mini kind of pocket park. Um, another park we're administering um, some new improvements in, which was kind of a, let's say, phase two and three uh, that the city wanted uh, was where um, uh, the contractor just put them in, had covered um, dugouts installed over at Callahan Park, which is the park on Pearl Street right next door to uh, McDonald Stadium, um, you know the 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 stadium, the football stadium for the high school, um, and then so that's closing out. And um, uh, then we have another project we're closing out right now, which was to adding um, uh, 
some ADA compliant um, dugouts and um, some additional uh, seating over there in terms of benches and bleaches at a field called Anderson Field, which is part of um, Lincoln Commons, which I is on Cross that, Street. When they were working on it yeah. down there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, no, so we try to do, you know, all those improvements and then the ones that we're working out on now to get bid packages out on um, are things like. Um, one I'm really happy about, and I know the mayor is and, and different city uh, officials, including the ward councilor and, and uh, ward four, is where um, we have uh, really activated in a positive way a pocket park known as Fitzgerald Park. Probably a, a hidden secret to most, but it's a small little park um, that was created, believe it or not, in the 90s um, by a private developer. Um, named after a former executive director of the Redevelopment Authority, uh, David Fitzgerald. And um, it's in a space in, that runs uh, parallel to uh, the CBD garage at the corner of Exchange and Middlesex Street, sits across from the Exchange Street Bistro restaurant. And that... Um, that is a small park. It is a small park, but, you know, back in the day when um, it was built, it had benches and... Um, over time, it became overgrown. Some of the landscaping uh, wasn't necessarily, you know, um, you know, attracting, you know, a, a great crowd, you know, uh, that would have lunch there or come visit. So, um, ironically enough, the Malden Arts Group um, approached the agency uh, several months ago and asked if the MRA would be um, receptive of wanting to. Um, uh, if they would be receptive to um, uh, wanting to install a mural on the front of the um, garage in that location. And, um, you know, I have to say that uh, the mural has really activated that space, that um, when you go over there now, there at times there's quite a few uh, children over there that um, uh, are with different daycare tiers in the square, and uh, there's folks sitting there, adults, you know, reading a book, talking, or having lunch, and it's one of, you know, several murals that this Malden Arts Group is hoping to create along something they're calling Outline, which will go from here all down, you know, the bike path. So, you know, that's an agency that I think in the long run it's helped dress up the outside of the garage, which is, you know, uh, something that the Redevelopment Authority owns and, you know, a, a structure that I'm trying to, you know, make improvements to over time. So, One of the things about Marlins uh, Redevelopment Authority, there's, there's very few... Uh, Set up in, uh, with the same structure in the Commonwealth. I think the Boston, right. of course, has a uh, was just by virtue of his size is involved in, in right. lots and lots more things than Marlin would be required to do. But Marlin isn't that one of the few few communities has right. a, a separate standalone yeah. uh, redevelopment authority. Mm -hmm. There's only a couple. I mean, probably closest to us is uh, Cambridge. Everett created one, but. It's it's a redevelopment authority on paper, you know, um, which, you know, gives it certain uh, powers. But, you know, our agency, you know, I'd like to say and hope that, you know, we have a great, you know, working relationship with the city, you know, and, and provide value added at, you know, no cost on the, on the city budget side of things that, um, you know, it's through, you know, um, you, you, know we're, you know, we do... Um, uh, receive a, an administrative fee, um, 
you know, to administer some of these grant programs, which help sustain our operation. Um, and then some of the properties that we own is part of our, you know, portfolio that, you know, if need to sell or, or whatnot, or, uh, we can generate funding off of that. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's an arm of the city, I'd like to say, that, you know, um, is not really costing the city any in terms of a line item in its budget. Uh, um, you mentioned property that you own. Mm -hmm. um, would that be separate from your? Because uh, right now you're in temporary housing right. on Pleasant Street, right. and uh, right. uh, and um, are you split into two two offices? Or you're all on the one one We're location. In, uh, the agency owns uh, its location at one seventy six Pearl Street, so we own that property, and. Um, we are um, a tenant in the 17 Pleasant Street space because so, the uh, city hall functions got broken down into 17 Pleasant and 110 Pleasant Street. Right. And we're a tenant um, in that space um, in exchange uh, for providing uh, parking uh, for free to um, the employee, the city hall employees, uh, because, you know, there wasn't enough parking. And, you know... Um, that will change, you know, over time as the move is made to the permanent headquarters up right. the street. So, right. well, on, on are you the owners of uh, is the MRA the owner of the uh, of the garages, the parking garage? A couple of them. We're the owners of um, the something called the CBD garage. Uh, some of these things got crazy names. That back in the day, uh, under urban renewal and downtown redevelopment, that was stands for Central Business District or Malden Square or the downtown, um, and um, that's the one that's at the corner of Route 60 Exchange and Middlesex Street, uh, and it also owns uh, the Jackson Street Parking Garage, uh, which is the one that's uh, next to the former Bank of America at 200 Exchange Street. Um, and at the corner of Jackson Street and Route 60. Is, he, and is the emergency center still in there? The emergency center um, is. Um, they uh, will be, um, you know, vacating their space, um, you know, within the next month. Um, oh. So that space, um, you know, will be um, vacant. W what's in there now um, is part of the um, tenancy is um, the city created a um, parking department um, and they moved into a portion of the ground floor space that was once occupied. Um, it actually used to be a function hall um, uh, in the um, Jackson Street garage. So the city of Malden has a, a parking department that is um, administering the on-street parking, the meters that you see uh, in Malden Square on Pleasant and Main and Exchange. Um, they also, I know, um, are involved with resident parking and, and enforcement in the neighborhoods. But, you know, the person that's heading up uh, that effort are, you know, Ron Hogan and um, Ernie Adelino. Uh, so they would be, in terms of the off-street and the meter program, they would be the appropriate contacts for that aspect of parking. Now, um, are you involved as a, as an entity any with with this new city hall situation, or is that you're just a, a spectator and all that? <laughs> um, in terms of the development there, yeah, uh, yeah, um, the the agency has been uh, at the table, and you know me uh, working with um, you know folks on the city side. Um, 
uh, you know, such as, you know, Ron Hogan, who does uh, financial work for the city um, in, in addition to the parking uh, effort. And, um, you know, um, we have uh, worked alongside with others in the community, and um, we now sit with others on something called the Municipal Building Committee. Um, but when the f whole project started, um, the Redevelopment Authority uh, was involved in helping to uh, write something called the Request for Proposals that actually put the property that the city hall, the former government center and Malden Police Department sit um, out to bid for sale. Um, and uh, we received proposals at that time, worked with the city and the city councilors and the mayor's office, vetted those uh, responders. Uh, that goes back about three years and as part of that effort, selected this group called Jefferson Apartment Group. Um, which the city uh, designated as the um, developer of the um, parcel. Um, Jefferson then, um, once on board uh, with that transaction, um, acquired uh, the church because the church um, decided that it wanted to sell the first uh, congregational church uh, and put that uh, building on the market. So Jefferson, um, you know, privately um, purchased that property to expand because um, the footprint that the city hall and the police station sat on was like two, two and a half acres. So this expands it in a larger way. Um, so the city's longstanding goal and probably one of the worst mistakes that were made in history was to put that government center building in a, such a place that it dead ended and you know, um, acted as a brick uh, barricade to uh, the retail area um, that was along Pleasant Street a decision made, you know, in the late 70s, but I guess the thought process at the time was that that would be an anchor for one end of so-called uh, Malden Square, um, and the other end, you know, would have another anchor. And uh, actually, back in the day, the other anchor was supposed to be Jordan Marsh, which, you know, then became Macy's, and that never happened. Um, fortunately, uh, merchants and other city officials prevailed and were able to keep that end of the square open, you know, at the mouth of Main and Pleasant Street. Um, and um, we then, as an agency, ended up cutting in um, Abbott Street, which is the street that actually um, uh, runs parallel between the apartment buildings at 160 Pleasant Street and what was the, you know, former site of the first church in Malden Congregational, so you could get out of the square once you were you were in it, although you do have exit points um, on Washington Street and Middlesex Street. Um, so one of the um, requirements in that request for proposal was that City Hall be demolished and that um, the street be reopened and that the parcels on either side of it um, be uh, transformed. Um, you know, and uh, this developer um, that we're working with advanced a plan to put uh, a mixed-use, they call the mixed-use projects, where you combine um, the combining market-rate housing units. Uh, there's going to be 320 units there uh, in two buildings um, and um, 22,000 square feet of ground floor retail that you will see on the commercial street side when you get off the MBTA. Uh, it will make the corner onto Exchange Street. And then there'll also be some, uh, it will go up on Florence Street. And uh, you will also see some 
on the uh, Pleasant Street side. So as you're driving down Pleasant westerly, uh, so that you'd be heading towards the train station, um, on the right-hand side, uh, there'll be some uh, retail there as well, as well as some retail along the area that, um, you know, will be the newly opened um, Pleasant Street. And, um, you know, the city had a plan that they were, you know, we, we were able to, you know, with a lot of work on the city's part, you know, um, the city was able to acquire uh, property on Easton Ave to build a new police station, uh, which opened, you know, some time ago. Uh, that sits at 800 Easton Avenue. Uh, so that took care of one of its um, public facilities and um, then needed a place for its city hall to go. And we had thought it, at some point we were going to, you know, use property that the city owned on Dartmouth Street, and then that just became too complicated a, a transaction and not being able to do that. Um, so we were able to, um, you know, receive um, the blessing to, um, you know, allow discussions to take place with the developer on how we could potentially fit a smaller. It's going to be, you know, this current city hall was about 170,000 square feet, 180,000 square feet. This new facility uh, will only be 44,000 spread out over five floors in, in the complex. Um, uh, it will be closest to the heritage side. And um, it will um, uh, house the uh, city hall um, building, city council chambers, and all that. So right now, it's taking place at these municipal building committee meetings. Um, you know, um, and the you know also on that committee, it's chaired by you know the mayor and Ron Hogan. But um, the keep, his name is mentioned three times. times. Well, he has been involved. Very in impressive. It. I had him yeah. on my show. Yeah. He got yeah. a lot of knowledge. Yeah, he's been involved in development projects and some parking and um, issues. And um, you know, he's been a good you know asset I know for the city just on you know looking particularly through the financial lens of the yeah. development yeah. stuff. Yeah. Now, when when they finally complete that development, uh, uh, you will be in the same building with the uh, or the same part of the building with the mall and uh, city. city hall. Yeah, we um right now it it, it we are part of um the floor plate and um you know which is great you know and um so we're gonna um hopefully merge you know the folks there's only a handful at 176 Pearl Street but try to if you know as long as we can fit the space wise we're going to hopefully try to merge those folks with us so that you know I kind of have our whole operation under you know uh one roof so to speak which will be easier from a management perspective but I also think better for the employees that you know help each other that kind of thing yeah, yeah. I was always a little, I was a little surprised at the time that the Congregational Church was uh, sold to be demolished. Mm -hmm. I had almost thought that there would be some some religious group would want to go, but I yeah. maybe the big problem with that is it happened with some other churches in Marlin. There's no parking. It was a beautiful building, right. but it, but parking was at a premium, and right. uh, um, as long as they didn't have too many in the congregation, they would accommodate the people. Right. But 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 that that also I think was a church where the demographics were getting older and right. there, there weren't uh, uh, younger people coming yeah. in. Sadly, you know, their their membership had really dwindled over the years and they weren't even meeting in the 
the main portion of, of the church, the sanctuary, I think it's what it's called. Um, they were meeting, you know, in in the basement area oh, off of Exchange yeah. Street because, it, you know, you were talking heating bills and, yeah. and electric bills and all that. And um, so they were really struggling. Um, and I, you know, and in the pers- the entity that bought it, I, you know, was sensitive to that c- because of the rich history, and um, you know, it wasn't, you know, a historic on the register type property. But there will be um, different items like the the cornerstone and and other stonework and whatnot uh, from the church will be included in some of the outdoor elements that um, you know are, are part of the whole new development there. Which will be good. So, uh, and you know, hopefully, you know, the residential piece of the property that's supposed to start, you know, um, making the, um, available to tenants in that project. Uh, they're talking, um, you know, in in April or so of 2019. So that's not that far. And then, um, you know, City Hall will be sometime in you know 2019, whether it's fall or winter. That the goal of that would be you know, to open that, um, you know, for people that may be walking near that development now or driving up, you know, from uh, the side where the train is, uh, you might see a nice big glass bridge that's connecting um, or will connect the two residential buildings, and that will be just open to the tenants of that building, and it will largely give the tenants um, in the north side, um, close on the Florence Street, Commercial Street side of the building where City Hall will be, it will give them the ability to access, you know, the amenities uh, because the the bulk, I think all of the amenities, the fitness center, the pool, um, et cetera, are all going to, in the parking garage for the tenants, are all going to be under that south building, which is closest to the corner of um, Exchange and Commercial Street. So, but that would be a nice icon for the city, I think, that bridge. And, it, you know, there's plans to light it up at night and do different things with it. So, I'm not going to call it the Zacob Bridge. <laughs> no, 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 anyway, no. Well, th- thank you very much, Debbie. <laughs> uh, in fact, I might ask you to come back again okay. because there's, there's so much we can more, more we talk about. I had some public announcements I wanted to make. But if you do, uh, here's a, a gold dollar. Okay. And you can keep that. Now, if you look at that one, it's got George Washington. On one side. And um, I'll give you one every time you come back, and then maybe by that time you have all 45 presents. Oh, geez, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm open. I don't know if I'll be here that long. <laughs> Thank you very well, much. I probably won't be, but thanks very much for coming Thank you. in. I enjoyed you. And I'm sure um, for some people that have had an opportunity to, to uh, hear the show tonight, if you didn't hear it tonight, and someone mentions you were on Saturday, we're on Sunday, and uh, there are issues that maybe you can benefit from involvement with the MRA. And your address? It's uh, 17 Pleasant Street, uh, third floor, uh, Malden, obviously in the square. And for rehab loans, that would be 176 Pearl Street. And you take phone calls? Sure, 781-324-5720. Thank you very much. Thank you. Look forward to you coming on again. And... August is a busy month here in Malden. We have uh, St. Rocco's coming up. Right. And that is the week of uh, a week from uh, eight, the August 8th to 10th. And um, that's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that's an annual event that's been um, popularized in the beginning by Edgeworth's families. But now it's, I think it's been extended now to a lot of people come down for the, the sites that, and reconnect with people. Mm-hmm. Also, there's... Um, 
if you if you come by, um, there's musical entertainment on Saturday night. There's mm-hmm. music on Sunday afternoon, and there's also music on Friday night. So, uh, for those people here in Malden that haven't been before, take the time. There's in addition to the, the entertainment you have, you have a chance to uh, there's food f- food courts and there's a, a beer and wine mm-hmm. garden. So. And if the weather holds, it's even that much more important to make a chance to stop by because there's a, a lot of uh, people to talk to, and there's certainly going to be a lot of things you can do there. They also, um, the, the day before that, you have here in Malden um, the Democratic uh, um, Barbecue, and that's that's on the Thursday of, of next, a week from, uh, next, from tomorrow. And... Um, you don't have to be a Democrat to attend, although that's part of the reason why they're using it as a uh, part of it as a fundraiser and a social get together. But candidates that are running for uh, state office and 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 across the state, maybe statewide offices, and it could be a, a state senate race or a state representative race, and this covers more than uh, obviously it could be the 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 uh, offices where you run. Statewide, uh, they're going to be there, um, and uh, it'll give you a chance uh, to personally talk to someone if you have an issue you're concerned about, and you might have th- thought about a candidate you're not sure, but a, a personal uh, contact sometimes is more impressive than just depending on what you read in the newspaper. And um, with all due respect to the Republican Party, and that's the reason why maybe being there as a as an observer, you might get a chance to meet these people but in a lot of the offices other than the statewide offices there's no competition there's only a democratic mm-hmm. candidate with and that's particularly true uh, in Malden although there are primaries with with some candidates locally so therefore the, again it might be a chance to have you meet the people individually and get a chance to talk to them and you might have issues that are of concern to you uh, so again that's the uh, St. Rocco's and the democratic um, event that, the day before that the other thing, um, upstairs here, and I noticed uh, last month, the impressive artwork that is here, right here at MATV. And um, the, the um, chance to come by and just to view what's up there, it's, it's really impressive. And the, um, the, the MATV is, is here five days a week where you could come by and look at the artwork and uh, there's a history of the artist that's uh, there's two artists in, that, uh, with their work there and uh, they have an interesting background and it would be in just as a reminder that um, if you um, if you wanted to um, come by the hours of the MATV are open Monday through Saturday uh, you can stop by uh, if you have a question about the time, it's 781-321-6400. And, again, I think you'll be impressed with the artwork. Um, the other uh, agency that does a, 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 a credible job for the many of the people in Malden is the uh, the food bank that you have with uh, the free meals. And uh, their office is on um, Eastern Avenue. And there are several nights a week where... Um, you have an opportunity to get a, to get food that has been donated or purchased by the fundraising efforts of the organization Bread of Life, and um, on on uh, Mondays, um, five thirty to six thirty, you, you can uh, pick up a to-go meal here on Fifty Four 
Eastern Avenue, where the Bread of Life is located, on Tuesday. Um, the, the, excuse me, that's Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, um, the Salvation Army on Main Street. On Thursday, the Salvation Army on uh, on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Is it? And on Friday, it's the First Baptist Church um, uh, at the corner of Salem and uh, Main Street. And th- those days, uh, when you go there, there are people that go, obviously, because they have ver- very limited income. Sometimes it's that time of the month, maybe the... The funds have uh, run low before they get the the funding for the next month. Sometimes people have temporary emergency financial st- stress, and, and there are other instances where people may have a, a need just to supplement what they what they can afford to buy. And the, and the keep in mind is that over the years, a lot of the people who have, have who have been beneficiaries of the Bread of Life have also eventually become volunteers working there, and that's a chance you can. Give back to the community when you, if you happen to have, go, and children are welcome, and therefore that's a chance uh, in some instances where uh, you end up um, in need temporarily. Uh, you're welcome, no questions asked. If you if you can use that meal and your your budget is such that you, it's a, it's a, an empty refrigerator or you got a few days to go before you're able to shop for yourself. The uh, Bread of Life has a great, great source of, uh, for people, many of whom over the years have become part of the, the organization. So, anyway, um, I think I've touched on all kinds of things that I wanted to talk about. The um, other, other thing that, um, if you, again, if you missed the show tonight and, you, and someone mentions to you, we're on uh, Saturday and Sunday. And thank you. <laughs>